and welcome to another UbuWeb Poetry Foundation podcast, all avant-garde, all the time. I'm your host, Kenneth Goldsmith. I'm the founding editor of UbuWeb at ubu.com. Today we'll continue our series, Listening to the Sounds of Regionalism. This will be the third one. The first was the sounds of Los Angeles in the 70s. The second was the sounds of the London Underground. And today we're going to do a vast sweep of the sounds of France, beginning in 1870 with Arthur Rimbaud, continuing right up to the present with a uh, piece from 2000. Paris, of course, is the home of the avant-garde, and much of this was expressed through sound. There are fabulous recordings of normal poetry, but the uh, uberweb twist is that we're going to be listening to the way the avant-garde in France twisted up and bent language. This is a setting of Arthur Rambeau's poem from 1870, Roman, which is translated as Romance. On n'est pas sérieux quand on a 17 ans. Un beau soir, foin des bocs et de la limonade. Des cafés tapageurs aux lustres éclatants. On va sous les tilleuls verts de la promenade. It's a uh, beautiful poem about a uh, steamy June night, what it feels like to be 17 years old. And a young guy goes out and gets drunk, finds a girl, falls in love, and from June to August, you're in love. Your sonnets make her laugh. And this comes from a uh, record by Jacques Doyen and Jacques Lazerie entitled Poésies à mi voix, recorded in 1966. These guys invented instruments that sounded electronic, but actually weren't electronic. They invented dozens of instruments that they called structures sonore, or sonorous structures that were like Harry Parch's instruments. They were made out of steel and aluminum and big conical sheets of metal, and anybody could play them with very little experience. This is actually the voice of Guillaume Apollinaire, a poem of his from his book called Alcours. The poem is called Le Pont Mirabeau. His books of verse, Alcours, and of course his visually graphical book, Calligrams, from 1918, established Apollinaire is the leading French poet of his day. Of course, it's a great story because he volunteered uh, for World War I in 1914 and got blasted in the head in 1916 and uh, was sent out of the uh, army. He died in 1918 in Paris, the victim of the great influenza epidemic of that year. Apollinaire, as well as being a great poet and a great visual poet, will be best remembered as an ally of the Cubists. And his uh, writing and attitude would just be a, a great influence on everybody, from Dada to Surrealism. It was Apollinaire himself that coined the word Surrealist to describe a work of his in 1917. Dictionary of a language in which each word would be translated into French order by several words when necessary by a whole sentence. 
and the uh, incredible voice of Marcel Duchamp. He's reading some texts here written between 1912 and 1920 from A la Infinitif. But which would not reciprocally... This was recorded by Aspen Magazine in New York in November of 1967. Makes this dictionary by means of cards. What he's doing here, it's just a very, very short piece, but it's a piece for Dadaist textual manipulations that would actually have ramifications much later in conceptual writing there, conceptual uh, ideas for translation, mix the dictionary like cards, scramble the alphabet. Uh, he gives recipes for unspeakable languages. Sound of this language, is it speakable? No. He encourages you to cross out words from the dictionary and then translate the dictionary into colors, open up the dictionary at random, and organize words by meaning, not by the way they're put alphabetically. Dictionary with films taken close up. He uh, also calls for film to be uh, substituted for words. You could actually make a dictionary of film. It's a fantastic thing. There's a lot of Duchamp on Ubuweb. There's actually the music of Marcel Duchamp on Ubuweb. And what many people do not know is that Duchamp composed an extensive body of aleatory music that have been realized by Peter Kotick and the SEM Ensemble, all available on Duchamp's sound page on Ubuweb. Plafond blanc, rayonnant un mètre carré, jamais vu bing, peut-être par là une issue, une seconde, bing, silence. Trace seule, inachevée, données noires, fouillis gris, signes, sans sens, gris pâle, presque blanc, toujours les mêmes. This piece by bing. Samuel Beckett called Ping, or Bing, in French, from 1966, what we just heard translates as white ceiling shining white, one square yard never seen, ping, perhaps way out there, one second, ping, silence, traces alone, unover, given black-gray signs, no meaning, light-gray, almost white, always What we're listening to is a Radio France culture realization of this work in the 1960s, read by the great theater director, Roger Blain, who was responsible for the first production of Samuel Beckett's Waiting for Godot. Blanc, bouche, fil, blanc. The great thing about this piece was that when you read the text, it doesn't make much sense in and of itself. It's actually words being thrown around and cut up as material interspersed with this bing or ping every once in a while. And the music concrete people like Boulez or Stockhausen were actually taking sounds and applying similar techniques to them. So what you don't have is a narrative. You have a spatialist idea and a spatialist notion of language. And yet, because it's language, you can't rid it of meaning or emotion. So you've got the best of both worlds. It's abstract and it's emotional at the same time. What 
what we're listening to here is, in fact, the sounds of Henri Chopin's digestive tract. Henri Chopin is a founder of sound poetry. Uh, this was recorded a little bit later in 1972. But what he used was small microphones all over his body to amplify and manipulate the sounds coming from the body. He achieves this percussive effect by, you know, the same way that a, a child will go wah, 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 over his mouth. You can actually control in a rhythmic way by eating and swallowing rhythmically the sounds that your body's making. So he is actually breathing in and out and drinking and eating during this piece, which is being recorded and then remixed a little bit later at his own studio while he was living at the time in England. Henri Chopin often said, the body is a sound factory, and he put the sounds of the body to use. Now, it, even though he called himself a sound poet, it fell somewhere between sound poetry and music concrete. And as a result, Henri Chopin is viewed as a pioneer of poetry and of electronic music, using his body as source material. So at this point, you're going to be asking the obvious question, where are the women? And uh, the obvious answer is that there really weren't very many women in the French scene doing this. Unlike England, which was packed with women doing uh, experimental work, in France there was a real dearth of women. One of the exceptions was a woman named Ilse Gagnier. And what we're listening to here is a piece of hers from 1962 called Temtem. This was recorded on an uh, amazing group of Italian releases. They were little 45 RPM sound poetry discs called the Three Vitre Poly Poetry Records. And what she's trying to do here is trying to make space age poetry. In fact, uh, her husband, Pierre Garnier, with whom she worked quite extensively, made what they called spatialist poetry, using tape-recorded samples of the sounds of technology as well as the kind of chatter of transmissions that were coming back from space. They tried to warp and bend poetic form at warp speed. So you get a lot of chipmunk voices and you get a lot of murky sort of transmissions and echoes trying to approximate the sounds of space. The racket that we're hearing in the background is done by the very famous French painter Jean Dubuffet, who very few people knew was a musician. In late 1960 into 1961, he began experimenting with sound, and he made several recordings with the situationist Danish painter Asger Jorn. Jorn was a little bit trained in music. He could play the violin or the trumpet, and Dubuffet was completely untrained, but that didn't stop him from collecting many exotic instruments 
like flutes and hurdy-gurdies and Asian and African instruments and making an absolute racket. Jean Dubuffet, a uh, promoter of Art Brut, decided to take that practice into the music studio, using himself then as the brutalist. He said, as far as the tape recorder goes, I was a complete novice. And uh, it's fantastic music. This is using tape recorders, uh, two tape recorders, to make his bad playing sound even more chaotic and bombastic. This is one note that's played for an hour. This is Eve Klein, the painter, and this is his monotone symphony, written in 1949, recorded on the night of March 9th, 1960. At 10 p.m., a crowd of 100 people, all dressed in black tie attire, came to a gallery in Paris. Mr. Klein, of course, was in a black dinner jacket, and he proceeded to conduct a ten-piece orchestra in his personal composition, the Monotone Symphony. Now, it wasn't just an orchestral piece, of course, because there were naked women, and they were rolled in paint and paper, and Mr. Klein, once he got the instruments going, dragged these beautiful girls through the paint and made gorgeous paintings of them. When the symphony stopped, it was followed by a strict 20 minutes of silence, and everybody sat still for 20 minutes, including the naked women. And you can bet that for most of those 20 minutes, most of the audience was fixated on the bodies of the naked women. At the end, everybody was aware that they had been in the presence of a genius at work, Eve Klein triumphed. It was his greatest moment in, uh, in art history, as he referred to it later, a total success. First idea, I sing. Okay. Canzona di Ben Vautier, La Musica. Billy Boy, no. Je me suis sbagliato. Scusi. Better have the second idea. No, first idea. Where have you been, Billy boy, Billy boy? Where have you been, charming Billy? I've been to see my wife. She's a darling of my life. She's a young thing who cannot leave her mother. This is a great piece by Ben Vautier, uh, the French fluxus artist called Some Ideas for Fluxus, recorded in 1989 from the uh, collection called the Fluxus Anthology. Fluxus in the early 60s was a do-it-yourself type of art movement. It was not predicated upon skill, vision, or talent. Coming after the ideas of John Cage, it said anybody can be an artist and anything you propose can be art. Here, Ben Vaudier is singing a, a child song, basically, Billy Boy, and say, if you sing that, you too can be a Fluxus artist. And now I propose anybody who wants to do Fluxus music just sings a song. 
Idea number two. The second idea that he has is to take the record and eat it. Anybody could eat anything, and it could be construed as art. If it's too hard to eat, throw it out of the window. And for his third uh, piece that he proposes here, it's simply he can't come up with anything, and he doesn't know. And the fact that he doesn't know makes it a great work of art. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to do. Okay. And we're listening to the contemporary French composer. He's based in Lyon. His name is Lionel Marchetti. Qui peut savoir quelle est la vérité des rêves, outre celle de nous rendre anxieux de la vérité? This is a, a piece called Five Studies on Sleep and Dreaming. It's a uh, collaboration with another electroacoustic composer, Olivier Caparos, who is also a uh, poet. Caparos is the speaker here. Ce soir, dans le cadre de notre série Commande musicale, L'atelier de création radiophonique présente Sing Me to Sleep, 5 études sur le sommeil et le rêve par Olivier Caparos et Lionel Marchetti. And Marchetti, what he's done is he's taken us on a tour of spoken dreams by insomniacs using the voices of children and bits and pieces of uh, psychoanalysis. Le rêve est sonore. It's a study in five parts and an invitation to explore the enigmatic territory between awakeness and asleep. And this is a piece by the French composer Georges Apergy called Recitations, and this is recitation number 10. The entire recitations is inspired by the work of the Ulipo, uh, Jacques Rubeau and Georges Perec, and also by the formal language games of the letterists. Basically, what starts to happen over the course of the recitations is that the rhythmic entities get so complex that they build up in these frenetic bursts of unpronounceable screeching consonants, moving from meaning into pure sound. And this is a piece by a uh, young French artist named Xavier Gautier called Rachel, recorded in 2000. And what we're hearing is the French version from the Ridley Scott movie Blade Runner, and it's all the words that Rachel says in chronological order throughout the uh, entire course of the movie. Rachel is a minor character, a replicant who believes she's human. So by ordering all of her words chronologically, I believe Gautier is trying to convince us that she's not human and that her words can be ordered mathematically and logically instead of emotionally and meaningfully. Like so many young composers today, Gautier is using samples. He's organizing found material or appropriated media material. And I think a lot of French practice, of course, having its roots in the avant-garde, has now moved into a pan-national or international way of working with sound, no longer tied to the romance of the avant-garde.
And this has been another UbuWeb Poetry Foundation podcast, all avant-garde, all the time. I'm Kenneth Goldsmith. Everything you've heard today can be downloaded and listened to at ubu.com. Woo! <laughs>